Hello, everybody. Hey, good evening. Good evening. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Um, hope that you have had an excellent week so far. Shelby, how are you, brother? I'm great. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we've seen each other pretty much all day. But all day. I just want to make sure up to this point, you're, you're yeah. like, you're well, feeling good too. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're pretty much good, you know, other than the fact that it's not June 15th. But uh, if I can ever remember to reset that date, then it'll just be a miracle, an act of the Lord. So, That's right. um, but hey, you know, it's all good. So, yep. Okay, so we have, we have journeyed quite a ways through quite a few questions. Um, and do you have something? You have something on the prayer sheet to, I guess we can say that at the end. Say oh, he's what? Hand, he's handing out the prayers. Oh, there yep. we go. Hey, okay. Man. So we've, got, we've journeyed a long way through our series of questions so far. And you guys remember we've been talking about, because we missed last week, what have we been talking about? What's the category? Angels, the, the supernatural, these types of things. Um, and paranormal. So, and tonight, tonight, we will be getting into the paranormal. So... Just to get into the question, what does the Bible say about the paranormal? Okay, so I already heard some booze, so we gotta we gotta try to understand. Our first goal tonight is going to be trying to understand what the what do we mean when we say paranormal? Okay, so we'll get there. We'll talk about that. That's right. Um, but before we get there. There has been some really interesting um, finds that we found today just on statistics of how the culture views the paranormal and all that kind of stuff in the interest. But whenever we say paranormal, some of the things that we think of, some of the things our culture thinks of. Ah, who can, who can sing the song? <laughs> who are you going to call? That's right, that's right. So, who saw the movie? It was a good movie. It was funny. It was funny. You know, but when we think about... Go ahead. You, you no, no, no. I, all I was going to say, just, just for the live feed people out there, we have no idea who's watching, so we just need to give a disclaimer. We don't believe... But we, we, are, we, are trying, we are answering a question that somebody else answered, and so we are building up to the answer. Yes. So if you judge us now and hang up, you're going to miss all the good stuff. The so good don't stuff. don't don't tune us out just yet. Just yeah. bear with us and hang in there. This is an this is an offering of grace we're giving. And, and here's the thing. Here's well, you guys submitted the questions, and we are any question you submitted, we yes. are really trying to dig deep into each one from a biblical worldview. But the hint is on the board up there. Paranormal colon the culture's perspective, right? And so when we think about the culture's perspective. We think about Ghostbusters and guys with like laser guns, like capturing ghosts, and and you know we laugh at that, but we have we have actual TV shows that have people with these like little radar things, right? And they're like, oh, Jenny's trying to talk to us, you know, and it's like, okay, like we this is far beyond just the fake Ghostbusters show movie that we all love, right? Because it's it's enduring, we like it because it's just funny. And right. we know it's not real. Right. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So another one, Ghost, right? Um, extremely, I think it's supposed to be a touching movie, but it's actually very disturbing when you think about it. So there it is, uh, the Ghost movie. And actually, we talked so, about today. So what happened? What happened in the Ghost movie? Can somebody give us the storyline? 
on Ghost. Yeah. What, did, did David Fleming? No, we got somebody else. No, Linda, did, you, did Linda beat him to Linda's it? I'm it. sorry, Linda, Linda beat you. Died, the husband died, and then he came back. Okay. As a ghost. So, so the husband gets shot with this evil plot, and then, and then his spirit does not immediately go anywhere, and he just kind of hangs out and basically haunts the guy, finds out who, that, his, that his business partner actually had him killed, and so he haunts him, and the business partner then goes after his wife, and so the whole movie is about him kind of, you know, haunting him the whole time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and so, and, it, and we... Very popular, extremely popular movie when it came out. And extremely heretical, so... Yes, yes. <laughs> we could talk more about that, yes. but we won't. Um, oh, yeah, and they weren't married, so just... R we're they just, were not married? I thought they were... Oh, they were... Yeah. Th that's right. They were not married. Yeah. <clears throat> I, have a, I have a guess, though. It probably was not made by believers, so... But, but you know... <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good guess. Go ahead. The interesting part about that movie was when the partner, the crooked partner, yeah. was taken away by Satan's yeah. uh, helpers or what do you want to call them. Yeah. They came and took him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's interesting because we were talking about, so, you know, bringing that up, um, we were just talking about the fact that the, the movie portrays that all good people if their scales are right, go to heaven, and all bad people, if their scales are right, go to hell. And we know, right, that that's not the stipulation right. for where, where we're ending up one day. It's Christ, right, and faith in Christ. And so, but anyway, that, that's like a whole nother, like, uh, segue of conversation. But, but just the fact that, again, I don't know when this movie was produced. I Ghost? Wish I, yeah, I wish I would have had that year. Ghost was in the 90s? Okay. So it, it was in 87, I think it was here in 88, and, and so even this fatuation, infatuation with ghosts and the paranormal was even back in that day was, was high, okay? And then you've got uh, Independence Day, Will Smith, uh, amazing movie, right? I love the movie, but you know, when we talk about paranormal, we are going to talk about aliens, so, uh, you know, during this study, so we'll talk about all and of that And Independence well. Day, I will say, was probably one of the better uh, like uh, like Earth invasion movies, oh, fantasy absolutely. type movies made. It absolutely. was good. When he punches uh, just, that alien in the face, yeah. I mean, that's, that was my highlight. Yep. Um, and then we have signs. You know, you have kind of that scary kind of feeling movie signs. And so, again, uh, a lot of interest in the paranormal. Uh, do Americans believe in ghosts? Uh, numbers, do you want to read this one? Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be glad he, he, to. Shelby did the research on this. Um, well, you asked me to do it. Numbers can help us learn about things in our society that might not readily be readily apparent. In the case of Ghost, I was shocked to learn, this is the writer of the article, not me, I was shocked to learn that Americans' belief in them has skyrocketed 400% uh, since the late 70s. That's CNN, September 21. Nearly one in five, go ahead to the next one. Nearly one in five U.S. adults, 18%, say they've seen or been in the presence of a ghost, according to a 2009 Pew Research Center survey. An even greater share, 29%, say they have felt in touch with someone who has already died. That was Pew Research, and I did not finish the, uh, the citation there. Sorry about that. So I would just be curious, without shouting out names, right, have you guys, just by a show of hands, have you had someone share a story with you in your lifetime that they had an encounter with a ghost or something like that? I have. Okay. All right. 
fewer than I expected, actually. So I, I know I have. So. Yep. Okay, and then um, the last one. With 45% of Americans expressing a belief in ghosts, perhaps it's unsurprising that many Americans also believe that ghosts and spirits can come back to haunt certain places on earth. About 4 in 10, 43% U.S. adults say they think ghosts can come back and haunt people or places. Women, 51%, are more likely than men to hold this belief. And that came from YouGov America, October 21, 2019. Okay, uh, now these are some other, now, now these are just, just so you know, uh, these are just random stats that I grabbed off the internet today, uh, so the accuracy of these, who knows, um, but, uh, but it gives you some idea, some idea of where we are as a country. More than four in ten Americans believe in ghosts, demons, and other supernatural beings. So there was the question, generally speaking, do you believe that each of the following do or do not exist? Supernatural beings, 46%. Demons, 45%. Ghosts, 45%. And the most shocking one on the list is? <laughs> vampires. That's sad. Now, I mean, that's crazy. The yeah. other, the other yeah, three I can understand, but vampires, for heaven's sake. Come right, on, people. Right. All right. Uh, put this on there for you. These are some really interesting stats. Uh, most haunted regions of America. Look where we fall. <laughs> So for some reason, uh, yeah, man, the, the southeast, we've got ghosts everywhere. It looks haunted areas everywhere, it looks like. We're number one, Tony says. We're yeah. number one. Yeah. 64% of respondents reported already believing in ghosts before their experience, but 30% said it was their experience that made them believe. And, you know, we live, right now, we live in the age of experience. It does not matter what the Word of God says. If somebody experienced something, it is the truth, regardless of what God's Word says. And you know what's really interesting about Which is about really that. strange. There is more factual evidence that what the Bible testifies to is true than someone's experience. You see what I'm saying? There's more evidence, manuscriptural evidence, that uh, the Bible was copied down some, it was like right under 5,000 times or something yeah. like that. And the we have so evidence. many copies of Scripture in so many various different ways uh, that attest to the truth that Scripture really is real and the things that were attested to really did happen and, and, the, and the accuracy and the clarity of Scripture. And yet people want to focus on my experience of seeing uh, a light shining through my room and, and and wouldn't you know there's probably some middle school kids outside the window <laughs> you know like shining their light in their neighbor's room just to freak them out you know yeah and so we there is a a, a major infatuation with this and it really tells us that people will believe what they want to believe but yeah. it also tells us that we have to be we have to engage this conversation and we do need to take it seriously because there are people in our culture that find it interesting Yes, yes, and we love interesting things. Yes, Chuck. No, I won't mention. <laughs> called us and uh, there it comes. To... No, you're fine. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. There was some feedback for just a second. That uh, he he referred us to a woman that had prophesied. <laughs> several things uh -huh. that have taken place uh -huh. and so that automatically makes it true to him. 
Oh. Well, yeah, uh, I would need to know more about what you're talking about, but uh, the, the Bible is very clear that, that if someone claims that the key, the key distinguishing uh, characteristic, number one, are they a Christ follower, do they claim Christ, then if they claim to be a prophet, what they prophesy must come true. If it does not, you, you never listen to them again. So I would need to... I wouldn't know who it is. I wouldn't know what they prophesied. I would need to be sure that it's all legitimate before I could could answer that question. It's a, it's a woman on the internet that. Okay. Uh, well, then I would that. definitely hold that in, in suspect for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, man. The, the internet. The internet can be a good place to camouflage just about anything you want to do. All right. Continuing on down the line here, as I thought this was interesting, as respondents' age increased, their likelihood of reporting. A paranormal experience did what? Went down. Why, why do you think that would be? Less what? Less pot, oh. David said. <laughs> David said doing less drugs. Less okay, drugs. I'll... <laughs> hey, that might have something to do with it. It might have something to do with it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Traits of a haunted house. Now, I just had a little bit. I, I probably shouldn't have put all this in here, but I just thought it was funny information to, to see, okay? Traits of a haunted house. Uh, a freestanding home, one at 50, 55%. Apartments, ghosts just seem to stay away from them for whatever reason. <laughs> Townhouse or condo, 22%. So we start off at 55 and we go down from there. Uh, it, it needs to be a two-story house if it's going to be haunted really well. Otherwise, it's 46%. Or it's split level, only gets 5%. And then the style, farmhouses take the cake. Amen? I mean, for whatever reason, ghosts just well, love like farmhouses. farmhouses. Yeah, they it's love farmhouses. Right now. Yeah, it's man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just thought that was laughable. Now, for those of you on Lafayette, we don't believe this. We're just, we're just having some fun with it. Yes. Maybe the ghosts are just some old souls. Whoa. What do you say? Hey, maybe some ghosts are just some old souls. Ah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. That's good. What'd you say, Kelsey? An attic basement. An attic. <laughs> it's gotta have a place. It's gotta to have lock, an attic right? basement or a cellar. That's right. All right. Your most common paranormal experiences that are uh, uh, hearing sounds. I guess rattling chains, perhaps. Forty-six uh, percent lights turning on and off. That happens at my house regularly. That's forty-two percent. Hearing voices, 35%, oh, something like that, I guess. Television turning on and off. That was the movie Poltergeist. If you saw that, that's where that started. Doors opening and closing, music, music turning on and off, objects breaking, appliances turning on and off, cabinets opening, mm. seeing orbs, doors locking and unlocking, objects moving, seeing ghosts, objects levitating, unexplained temperature changes, cabinet slamming shut. So that, that's, these are all the different things that are reported for and paranormal you experiences. See, you can see in those reports how easily something could have just been misunderstood. Oh, absolutely. Yes, of course, yeah. of course, of course. Or somebody playing tricks on somebody else. Yeah, right? that too. Yep. That too. All right, back to you. Okay, so uh, coming into like a little more, you know, formal, getting down to like what is the paranormal so that we have a good understanding. And I actually took this definition from Got Questions, which is a really great resource for like Christian research, that kind of thing. Uh, and they defined it this way, the occurrence or perception of an event without uh, scientific explanation or other uh, purportedly supernatural phenomena. So it's something basically, essentially, that can't be scientifically explained easily. Uh, as we alluded to in the first slide, the culture has attempted to depict uh, what the paranormal or the closely related term supernatural is and looks like. 
It is interesting that in a highly atheistic slash scientific world today, that people are still so interested in the supernatural and the phenomenal or the paranormal. Isn't that interesting that we live in a world, again, that at least in the United States, that's very atheistic, is committed to not believing in any kind of a supernatural being, a divine being, and yet they're so committed to believing that there's some kind of spiritual force at work around them, some kind of spiritual forces at work around them. And so I do think it's really interesting to see how fascinated our culture is uh, with these things. Why do you, why do you, let's, let's open this up to the congregation. Yeah. I want to hear what they think. Why do you think that is? Somebody give me an idea of why our culture is so fascinated with paranormal, with all this stuff. Ryan Sims, all the way in the back, has an idea. I was just going to say Romans 1. That's all I was going to say. What do you say? Romans 1. Romans oh, 1. Romans 1. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually going to be biblical about I mean, we could about quote the whole thing, but I mean, I'm, we're not, you know, we don't have time for all that. I'm just saying that, like, I think Romans 1. We're spiritual beings okay. made to worship something. Right. And so we all innately have, you know, even the most devout atheist in the world has some knowledge of God. He just chooses, you know, chooses to, to, to deny rather than yeah. the truth. Yeah. So really all people believe in God. They just suppress that knowledge with, the, with lies. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else got an idea why, why humanity is so enticed, it seems, to, to want to... Luke, please. Uh, and then Ron will come to you next. Luke, Luke, right behind you. I'm sorry, brother. Um, I think part of it just has to do with the idea of the forbidden, too. I mean, ah. humanity loves to find forbidden. I mean, that's been true from the very beginning till now. But in a world that, or in at least a country that is so um, scientifically minded, it's almost, you know unacceptable but at the same time fashionably unacceptable to believe in ghosts or things yeah. like that that's interesting it's yeah. fashionably unacceptable to believe in yeah. ghosts which means everybody likes it and they want it it's unacceptable but in a way that everyone really is intrigued to and drawn to and they they like the unacceptableness of it it's it's fashionable to them so that's so cool. ghosts are not cool no ghosts are cool ghosts are cool and they're cool because they're forbidden that's what, oh, okay, that's what he's what, saying. That's okay. what Luke was saying. Yes, sir, brother, brother Ron. And we'll go to Janet. It stirs the imagination. It gives people something to talk about. Yeah. And uh, in this part of the country, the the big headline ghost was the Bell Witch. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I know when I was young and in the Boy Scouts, our scoutmaster thought it was his duty on every camping trip <laughs> To uh, tell us all about the Bell Witch. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Scare little off of you. At Alpine Camp for Boys, it was the Green Gruder. The Green Gruder, yeah. And there was this rock in front of the lodge. And like when we all came into the camp, we, we heard this story about this camper, you know, that went walking in the woods and was never seen again. And then like over the years, they've seen this hairy, long fang beast running through the woods and campers come up missing, you know, from, <laughs> from time to time. And you had to touch the green rock to be protected from the green rooter. Is so. he associated with the roto-rooter? <laughs> no, he was he, not. He, okay. always, <laughs> he always told this story right before he took the, fe- the tenderfoot scouts out for their snipe hunt. <laughs> Sounds like a great That's troop leader. Great. I personally think that that is man's way of explaining them knowing their sinful 
because out of the ghost occurrence is what happens. Hmm. Someone's haunting them, someone's doing something bad to them, and it's always a bad presence. I Interesting. think it is man's natural instinct to know that they're simple. That's good. Anybody else? Janet has one. Well, there are some scientists that they don't believe, you know, in such things. So uh, I can't think of the one that passed away not believing anything. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Well, him, but there was another one. Mm. Uh, but anyways, if you can't see it, you're not going to believe it. Ah, yeah. And that's, that's one major thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a natural uh, a natural thing that happens to us, and, and this is scientifically proven that um, we have this natural reaction to the scary, the unknown, mm -hmm. a fight or flight. We've all heard that you have a fight fight or flight reaction, and so and that that reaction, that experience, can be a very invigorating, a very almost high like experience like getting a high. And so I think today too, we're just, we do live in a culture that loves that experiential kind of mm -hmm. thrown that word out already, that experiential enjoyment of living in that moment and having that heightened your hairs raised on your arm kind of experience. And then the stories of it, someone said that the stories that come from it later of like, Oh, did you see that? Or, you know, and, and we all love sharing those intriguing stories. And so I, I that's my stab at a yeah. guess. Yeah. As I, to why. I mean, I, I loved all the answers I, to yeah. me. It's just, I think it's just curiosity, you know, that there's something beyond, and, and I mean, that, and there is, because the, the Ecclesiastes says eternity is set in the heart of man, so we know that there's, we, we know intrinsically that there's something beyond. It's, it's like when all of this spiritual paranormal stuff just, just went off the charts like that one stat said 400% since yeah. the 70s, it's like humanity has this realization that, the, that there is a spiritual side of things. So, so we know in post-modernity, which is from the 1950s forward, which, is, which has been the, the, you know, the biggest move of atheism in the history of the, of the world. Um, we, we believe in spirituality, but we don't look for it in the right place. And where's the right place to look for it? In the church, in the scripture, exactly. So we look for it anywhere else except the Bible, because the Bible requires accountability, the Bible brings judgment, the Bible brings exclusivity in, in faith in Christ and so forth, and yeah. people don't want that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if, uh, so when we think about the supernatural, when we think about the paranormal, I think we got to go back to the very beginning. Uh, because in me and Shelby were talking about this. We don't want to treat this world as if in, in purely a scientific way where what we observe is what we believe. Like, we, we, can't, we won't believe it unless we see it. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because we, we all started out from a supernatural source. Uh, there was supernatural before there was ever physical, right? And, uh, and I say that because God, uh, existing as one God in three persons, uh, he was there in the very beginning, and we've talked a lot about that with the other questions, so we won't go deeply into that. But he was at the very beginning. And so really, we shouldn't, we shouldn't neglect or deny the supernatural. If you do that, then you'd be neglecting and denying God himself, right, and your faith, because we have to, what is, what is the, the main definition of faith? It's believing without seeing, right? And so we believe in a supernatural God, praise God that he's a supernatural God, that he is not limited to our terms and our conditions. Uh, he's omniscient. Uh, that means he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? And so we praise God that he is, he is this God. Word of the angel. 
Well, just, just basically off of all the previous stuff we've talked about, they were created beings. Um, and they are, they are also supernatural beings. They are beings that exist in that supernatural place, right, if we're talking about categories. So they are supernatural, but they definitely are. We know, right, they're under God, right? They, they're created beings, but they are supernatural beings. And we're going to get back to that a little bit yes. in just a minute. Yes. The word supernatural. To me, that, that's a man-invented a man word. Yeah. Because God existed always. Yes. Everything that he made existed always. To him, it's not supernatural. Right. To him, right. it's him. Yeah. And everything that he gives us yeah. is, is his gift. And, and to call it supernatural, to call it, 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 makes it, it makes it like, I don't know, it, it just, mm -hmm. that term just doesn't, just doesn't fit God. Right, you right. Know? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why we, I wanted to define at least. Um, Say miraculous. Yeah, you could, say, you could say miraculous. Um, our, the reason we defined the paranormal was simply to say, when we talk about paranormal, we have the associations of evil. We have the associations, but really, basically, the definition of paranormal is just something that science can't explain. Um, when we talk about supernatural, really what we're talking about is just simply something that's beyond and above the natural. And so, but I do agree with you, I think, and we even talked about this today, funny enough, you mentioned that, um, that God, what's normal to God, right? Well, him and his experience of creating all things and running the course of history and, you know, it, and we can't totally enter that conversation, right? Because he is beyond us. But yeah, I, I do think that that is a good observation um, to make for sure. Uh, right here, this bullet, uh, the world and everything we know came from a supernatural or a beyond us, a, a magnificent or glorious force uh, or source, mm -hmm. uh, not a natural occurrence. God spoke all things into creation, and before Him there was nothing. Now, and I didn't mean force; I, said, I should have said source because He is a personal being. Um, okay, so just a little fun for you there. Who, who can name? Who can name the big dude in there? No. Yes. Outstanding, Tony. I don't the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Stay Puffed. Yes. He says it on the top of his hat. I know, but he, he could see puffed. that. He knew it. Okay. <laughs> you can't see that, guys? Come on. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. You got it? Yeah. Okay. yeah I'm good. Uh, apparently I'm going to escape while I've got the chance. Um, okay, so ghosts and haunting. So getting kind of to the, the meat of the topic. I want to keep track of time here. So getting kind of down to the meat of the topic, what does scripture say about ghosts and hauntings? First, we have to understand what we mean when we say ghosts and when we refer to haunted places. When talking about ghosts, many people refer to the thought that they are disembodied spirits of the dead who have stuck around on earth due to unfinished business or for kicks and giggles, okay? Um, and so we, we tend to think, and, and so keep track with us here, because I'm, I'm putting this for you so that every time we talk about ghosts and hauntings, this is what we're referring to. Um, is, this, is there any legitimate or legitimacy to this from a biblical perspective? That's what we're talking about tonight, okay? Um, because, and the reason we make that caveat too is because we've talked a lot about this already. Do angels exist in this realm? Yes, we have biblical evidence of that, that angels operate in the world. Uh, not, just, not just heavenly angelic beings, but we also have demonic uh, 
uh, angelic beings that are waging war, we hear from Ephesians chapter 6. And so we, we have to know that there, is, there are spiritual forces at play beyond what we can see that are, that are at work in the world, okay? And so, but what we're talking about right now, and I think this is kind of in vain with what the question was, and that's what we're trying to hit, is are there, is there such thing as a disembodied spirit of a dead person hanging around later because they, they have some unfinished business to do, okay? Or they just, you know, you've always heard the, the, in the sitcoms the statement of, you know, you better not do this or I'm going to haunt you when I'm dead kind of thing. And so we, we, we've all heard that statement too. Um, so, that's what Ghost was. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, but the movie huh? Ghost. I mean, that's, that's what that's what that's what he did. Yeah, I could have just said that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You were gone, so I, was. I couldn't capitalize on that. Um, so, what about Jesus on the water? Yeah, you know, this was one of the questions that was actually submitted. Uh, was asking about uh, the disciples saying that they saw a ghost, and and, that, and that's a good question. Yeah, because you don't yeah. you don't see it anywhere else other than the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't see that. Absolutely. So. Um, so we're going to, if you have your Bibles, I just love for you to get your Bibles out too and flip there. I know it's on the screen and you know, if you don't have your Bible, you can read along on the screen, but it's always good just to see it on page to know where Matthew is. I think you all know where Matthew is. So starting there, it's, uh, Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. And uh, you guys know already, this is the account of the disciples on the water and Jesus comes walking up. But we're going to read this real quickly, uh, just going to verse 27 there. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he, uh, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by, uh, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Okay, so... Really interesting account here, and we see a moment in Scripture, and, and really, I didn't do, I, we did some research on the word, on the Greek word, but I did not see if it's mentioned any other place in Scripture, this Greek word that we're going to see in just a minute, um, to see if ghost, phantasma, is the Greek word behind it, if it's mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, um, I can't think of an instance when, no, when no, it is. No, I don't think it is. Um, you get spirit, you get all, soul, you get all these different things. Ryan, you got one? Oh, no, I, I'm looking it up to see. Okay. Like that part where uh, Peter's coming back and back and on the door and like, oh, Peter's ghost. I'm wondering Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, give us a comment when you find it. Um, okay, so when the disciples see Jesus, uh, Jesus walking on the water... They exclaim in fear, it's a ghost, okay? And again, so we have this word in Scripture that we need to deal with. We need to look at this and, and look at it more intently. Two things are, are important as we consider, uh, take consideration here. Number one, what can we learn from the original Greek language about the word ghost? Okay, so again, as we look at the Greek language uh, and we see the word phantasma there, which I think is where we get our word phantom mm -hmm. today, uh, you know, that may give us some clues and insight. 
The disciples' uh, fearful claim should not be taken, so this is consideration number two, should not be taken as scriptural evidence that ghosts exist, but that there may have been a common belief at that time that ghosts, according to the Greek definition, uh, is meant. So uh, does everyone understand what that means, what I'm saying there? That just because the disciples said it's a ghost, that doesn't mean that that's evidence in scripture that ghosts exist. We have to read within the context between the lines to understand that the disciples were still growing in their journey with the Lord. They were still learning. They may have had some folk tales told to them where they believed in ghosts at the time. And, or there's another possibility here that they're simply saying a spirit uh, and, and a spiritual being, which again, angel or a demon. So they could be referring to that, but the Greek word might give us a little more insight. I think Jim's got his hand up over there. I mean, back in that, there, there were, uh, there were, you know, a lot of times in the pagan cultures, they had palm readers and, you know, they believed in ghosts and things just like we do now. So I'm yeah. sure in that, in that sense, you know, they could have been wondering, you know, because they all came from a, from a Jewish background, but still, even the Jews, you know, they they believed in, uh, you know, going down to the grave, going to be with their fathers, yeah. going, you know, I mean, they didn't really. There was no talk of. They didn't really believe in angels, really. I don't mm -hmm. think. Yeah. They they just uh, knew that there was uh, the grave and their ancestors, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, they kept bones. I mean, it yeah. was. Uh, yeah, they probably believed in that just like they do now. So, yeah. so yeah. why, so why do y'all think they said they said ghost? What else could like float across the top of the water, right, out that far? I mean, that, that's the the author Matthew made sure it said. Um, Let's see, go down here. Immediately, he dismissed the crowds. Let's see, uh, but the boat by this time was a long way from land. And so they look out on the fourth watch of the night real late and they see something on top of the water coming toward them. Well, I mean, in their minds, in their worldview at that time, I mean, no human being, no fleshly human being is going to be able to walk across water out toward the boat. So it had to be some type of spirit. Right. So, right. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, you have an update for us? I, I just wanted to set the record straight. Apparently, I thought in... in Several different versions. It might have said that in none of them. It says that it's always it is his angel. So I just want to set the oh, record straight. Okay. Not confuse anybody. It no. is Angelos. It is angel. Yes. No worries. Uh, Ken Stonecipher. Thank you, Ryan. Ken Stonecipher had a question. Uh oh. <laughs> when Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus, of course, ghost wasn't the word ghost wasn't mentioned, but. They were spirits that were on earth at that time. Yeah. I don't know how this applies. I just thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that in that's In fact, a, I've got to preach about that here in probably three or four weeks, the transfiguration. So. Yeah. That's good. Jim's got one more. Jim has got another one. You can only have four, four questions tonight, Jim. <laughs> just after the resurrection, they were, Jesus came among them and they thought it was... They were scared because they thought he was a spirit, and he asked for, "I'm not a spirit. My hands and feet right. yeah. feed me." You know, and he actually right. ate some honey and right. stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. His body after the resurrection was 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 unlike. 
I mean, it was like able to pass through things, but at the same time, you could feel it. So it's very, very strange. And yeah. we're going to have a body just like that, right? Right? That's what the Bible yeah. says. Amen. I can't wait. We shall be as he is, John says. It's almost like they use the word ghost for something that we could explain. Right. Maybe. Phantasma. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. yeah. The two men going to Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Until he broke the bread, then their eyes were opened. Yeah, so really interesting here. What was that? The women from the tomb. The women from the tomb? Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Those are all really good comments. So looking at the Greek uh, breakdown, we're not going to look at every single word, but I thought this was interesting. This is from John MacArthur's uh, commentary. Uh, the word saw there in the scripture, uh, thereo, means to look intently, which means they were transfixed upon the appearance of Jesus. And so when they said what they said, I just thought it was interesting that their eyes were fixated on Christ. Uh, probably again because they were terrified, but uh, but they you know they they had a they, you know because there's theories out there that they were rowing and that they were tired and they probably were tired you know in the mists and the wind and the waves and they just mistook seeing anything and it's like no they were they were fixated on seeing Jesus walking okay and so even then when they saw and they were fixated on Christ walking up to the boat. And Mark tells us walking past the boat, his intention was to keep on going, um, you know, maybe to lead the way for his disciples, I don't know, walking in faith kind of thing. Um, they intensely looked at him and they were like, it's a ghost, you know, and so they, they, that was their automatic response, even as they were intently looking at Jesus walking by them. Uh, the parallel occurrence in Mark, and it says this, it says that he intended to walk by. And uh, again, I, I think that that's just interesting because you think about, you know, in your mind, the ghostly apparitions, you know, floating by you kind of thing. We always see that in the movies. Um, primarily, the word ghost in the Greek here, phantasma, can have a range of meaning from specter to phantom to spirit, apparition, or simply just ghost. Mm -hmm. uh, the word seems to indicate that the belief of ghosts or apparitions may have been a commonly held belief uh, since uh, the word seems to indicate a fearful ghost-like figure. Um, in the research that I did on the word, I uh, looked in a few different sources, and predominantly the words that came to the surface were like specter, apparition, or actually like ghost. And so I, you know, just based off of that, I, I'm taking an educated guess to saying that this word in this context would maybe lean more toward a ghostly apparition kind of thing, which again means that the disciples at that time could have been picking up some folklore, especially these. some of these guys were fishermen, they were seamen, they had been on the sea, and so for them it was probably not uncommon to hear exchanges of stories of, of ghostly figures floating around at sea kind of thing, you know, Davy Jones sunk to the bottom kind of stuff and that kind of, that kind of thing. So um, that's, that's my, my guess because the range of the word is pretty wide and so, um, you know, it can be taken in two different ways. Um, it could also uh, be the case in this instance that the disciples thought they were seeing an angelic figure. Um, that they could have, when the word phantasma came, or at least when it was written by Matthew, he was there, he was experiencing it right. Um, I think it could have been that, you know, that was just the idea is that it was an angelic figure. Um, and that's what he meant by phantasma when he was writing it. So there's that. Um, okay, so let's see. Oh, yeah, contextually, we have to understand 
that even if the disciples had a belief that ghosts existed, since the term could be interpreted as ghost, this does not mean the Bible is affirming the ghosts exist. Everybody yeah, understand wanna, that? Does everybody understand that? Okay. Emphasize that. Yeah. Because you, you get in, sometimes people get into the mentality that if the, that the Bible says it, it's true, and the Bible can the Bible can represent falsehood that is understood in the characters in the story. Y'all get that? Okay. I think this next one is some of the verses you. Yeah, found. sure. I can talk about them. Uh, what all we did here is very simple. Um, do y'all know how to do a word search in uh, like a, a Bible app type thing? Okay. It's an extremely valuable tool uh, that, that you need to learn how to use if you don't already. The only reason why I'm good at it is because we were forced to be good at it in seminary and mm -hmm. through doctoral studies and all that kind of stuff. You would not, it would take you forever to do the work that you've got to do if you could not word search things because it's just, yeah. research is just very hard. Um, so in this case, the primary thing I, I uh, the, the word search I put in was mediums and necromancers, okay? And, the, and it comes up several times and the Bible could not condemn this any, what's the right? Any more Kelsey, clearly. What's, what's the, well, Kelsey's not in here. Any more harshly, is that right? Any me. more harshly. Okay, Leviticus 19.31. This is the word of God written to God's people. It is still binding for today, this, this specific prohibition. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, verse 6. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them. Man, you see how graphic that language is about this? I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. How serious does that sound? Very. Extremely serious. That is how serious God is about this. So we should not dabble in this at all. Deuteronomy 18, 8 through 14, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations who would be the, what, the Canaanites, right? There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So what's, what's God saying in that? One of the reasons why Israel is being called as God's people to wipe out the Canaanites is because they're doing these things. They're offering child sacrifice, they're doing sorcery. They're doing, they're, doing, they're doing things that are as far away from God's will as they could possibly be, and, they, and God knows that they're never going to repent from it, never going to change. Yeah. So they've got to be wiped out. Um, and because of the, the driving that for you, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So... The next time you go down to New Orleans, do not seek out a palm reader. Amen? Amen. Not uh, even for the fun of it. Just to, oh, let's just see what they tell us. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go to some woman that's got a, or man that's got a crystal ball 
Stay away from them. I've seen. Don't go to the tarot cards. People think tarot cards are, are harmless. That's the same thing. All that is dabbling in, in darkness and sorcery. I've seen yes, psychic Tony. stuff around here. Yeah. Did you not mention a few weeks ago about uh, people who believe in uh, astrology and things yes, of that yeah. nature? Yes, horoscopes like and all that. That's all related. Crazy? That's all related. Yeah. All that stuff's related. Well, you know, in the South, there's a rich tradition and history of believing in these weird things. Oh, sure. Because yeah. our cultures, a lot of the South came from, from Scotland and, mm -hmm. and Ireland and, yep. and Germany and country, Hungary and places that had these deep-rooted right. beliefs. And they got brought with them. So, <coughs> My grandmother read coffee grounds mm, yeah. in, in somebody's coffee cup. Yeah. But I thought, that's a bunch of And then Christianity pro proliferated, yeah. and, and a lot of that went away. But now guess what's happening? It's coming back. Yes. Well, that's just like we're turning away from God right and left. Mm -hmm. And God's going to take his blessing from this country because we are turning away from him. Yeah, and I, I can't state enough just how interesting and how profound it is that when you take God out of the equation, which is what is happening in our American landscape, when you, when you remove God from the equation, everybody wants some kind of spiritual explanation for things that happen in this life. It's interesting. It's really interesting when there's a vacuum in that area in people's lives. But here's the thing they want. They want a, spirit, a spiritualized narrative that they can control. Um, that they can they can tell that story they can they can you know it's still something within their experience and they don't have to submit to God's authority uh, they still don't have to acknowledge that there's a God who created them and they are bound to him and they're bound to him whether they believe or not because judgment's going to come either way for those who are the righteous who trust in Christ and for those who reject Christ uh, and rebuke him and, and run uh, headstrong away from him uh, so it's just it's interesting to me. We got we got three hands up, just Brandon, then David, then Chuck. Um, even uh, it, when we went to Charleston for a trip for our anniversary, they actually have a certain colored blue that's called like Hank blue. Is that? But it's like Hank blue that they would paint around their doorposts so the spirits could not enter. Their wow! House. Wow! And it's everywhere. Like yeah. if you went to a paint store down there and said, "Hey, I need Hank blue," they'll give you a, they'll give you a whole gallon of it. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and there's, there's also been a few things that have been abused. Uh, I remember 20 years ago, who remembers the broad sweeping prayer of Jabez? Do I remember that a few years ago? I mean, that was like supposedly this name it, claim it special thing that if you would just say the prayer of Jabez a certain number of times that whatever you're prayed, it would become yours. The Bible does not say that. Go ahead. My question is on those mediums and necromancers, with such a strong warning to leave them alone makes me think that they must be able to have been able to conjure mm. demons because if it was just totally in play like we talked about the bell witch mm -hmm. why would why would, why would there be such a strong admonition yeah, if it so wasn't my, possible my concern is they, these people must have been uh to me you can i've always believed you could call it the demons as much as you could call it down an angel yeah uh, so maybe they were, and that's what they devoted their lives to doing. That's interesting. I, that's, did you want to answer? Do you want to say something? Well, if you invite, that is all that is, is seeking after a false god, which when you invite a false god, you invite a demon. Because right. Because that is where they inhabit. I know, but that's what I'm getting at. That you know, they believe in something that is a false practice. Well, well false. Satan is not a god. Satan but what is I'm getting right. at, right. No, no, right, right. But that's false. what I'm saying, though, yeah. 
whatever you're believing in. Right. You invite demons by by rule. Yeah. Yeah, and and you don't have to look very far. You Luke, can after Chuck Luke's got his hand up. You, you can just look at the um, the narrative of Exodus, and you see the magicians do things that are are not natural. Um, and so, and, and yet what they're doing, even though it's it is interesting, it is it is, and I say interesting in the sense of it's it's wild that they could do what they did, and yet it's it's demonic. It's, um, you know, it's wickedness. They're, they were practicing some kind of, I, the only word I can use for it is some kind of magic that was inspired by wickedness and evil. Um, and, and, and the cool thing is, is we're, we're studying this in our Sunday school class. So it's cool because they get to the point when, the, when God turns the dust into gnats, uh, they're like, Whoa. We can't do that. They're, well, not even that. They're just like, well, yes, they say that, but they're like, this is the finger of God. This is the hand of God. We can't do this. You know, this is someone far beyond us right. kind of thing. And so, Chuck? It, it's amazing how quick people invict the name of God in catastrophes. Or when a tornado comes through and they say, God spared me through this tornado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, yeah, I, I, well, I think it's, that comes back to, and I think you probably raised your hand, because of the whole conversation of, we like spirituality when we like it, right, when things work out for us, but when it's not working for us, it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll dump that like a hot habit, you know, just, we'll go on to the next thing, uh, and obviously, that's not Christian character or commitment, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Thank you, Jeff. Luke? So in, in addition to, I, I do genuinely think there is so-called you know, evil magic, if you will. I mean, the magicians, you know, power that has been taken, so to speak, from God. I mean, he knows you've done it, but still, it wasn't given freely. Um, but in addition, if you look at much of the things on this list, too, who goes to these people? Who goes to a medium? Who goes to a necromancer? These are going to be acts often of desperation. How easy is it to take advantage of someone who is desperate? Yep. How yeah. easy is it to, you know, pull the wool over someone's eyes, if you will? Not only yeah. could these be dangerous in terms of demons, but these are also just dangerous because it gives someone else control over you mm-hmm. and your actions. I mean, how easy is it to manipulate someone when you're telling them their fortune? Yeah, that's you, what happened you, to me right, in you New either, Orleans. You either want to make it happen or you want to try to stop it from happening, but either way, you massively can change what you were going to do. So yeah. just even... Without the demonic entities, these kind of lists can be really dangerous because they allow someone else to control what you're planning to do, what you're thinking, or even what you've done in the past as far as with the medium and whatnot. Well, and, you know, just a, just a point to this, and I won't go on it long, but, you know, in the whole counseling world, um, and I can't tell you exactly the time frame, but there was, there was a practice, and I don't think it's happening as much anymore. It, it probably still exists somewhere in the world, uh, in, in the United States even, at least. Um, but there was a practice of hypnosis um, to, to treat people. And so literally these people with deep, hurtful problems would come to these therapists and their answer was hypnosis. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's interesting because for me it's like, look, I've got something far greater than hypnosis. I can, I can point you to the words of life. I can point you to the God that truly exists and, and formed you and knows you. And so it's, and, and you just see how desperate the world is to answer these, these questions that have a spiritual nature to them. 
uh, to the point where if you just walked up to anyone on the street, even an atheist, even just someone who was kind of just, just a normal guy, didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe much in anything, just kind of like, hey, I'm just trying to live my life and do my thing. We've all ran into those people. And you said, hey, how effective do you think hypnosis is? They would probably laugh you know, hysterically, like that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's crazy talk. Like, no, like that's not going to be helpful for anyone. And it's like, did you know that at one point in our history, not too, not too far down the road from now, that, that therapists, licensed therapists believe that hypnosis was a great way to help people in their problems. And still, and still, okay, still active. I mean, because yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I know from, you know, just a little while ago that hypnosis was in their minds, a credible way to treat people's problems. Yeah, memory and that kind of thing. So, yeah, interesting. So you're saying that you can't get saved through hypnosis? No, you cannot. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> I'm just busy. Jesus, one way. Yep, we are close to the end of time, 6.53, so maybe a couple more minutes. Yeah. Linda, yes, question. question. I think the one thing we haven't touched on here is so relevant to what is going on right now. Anyone who burns his son or daughter... Oh, yeah as an offering oh wow yeah okay what are we dealing with right now abortion babies are being yeah. aborted yep. to the god of convenience is yep. what they're being no, aborted no, no, to. no, no, no doubt the same that they did back then if you know it was their god that they were right. giving their children to well okay the god of convenience is right, right here among us and millions right. of people think right. it's okay Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. All, every, every theologian that you know that, that expounds on this passage draws that parallel to, to everyone that everyone does. Because, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're sacrificing their children. I mean, it may not be doing it by burning, but they're, they're, still, they're still being killed. So. Yeah, absolutely. Any other questions? Any other comment? Uh, probably not tonight. You want to go into the Witch of Endor? We can do that right quick. But, well, we, we won't be able well, to accomplish Why don't we start it, and then when we come back in... Uh, Whenever, whenever it is, the second week in August, first week in August, we'll, or second week in August, we'll, we'll start with the Witch of Endor. That'll get y'all to come back, right? Right? Okay. Yeah, this is probably just an introductory slide to it anyway, so we can kind of look at yeah. it. And, uh, and Jack, if you don't mind, can we hold your comment and we'll right at the end here, we'll hit it? Or do you, yeah, it's, it's depressing. You see, it's urgent. He's got to get it out. He's got to get it out. There's a fire in his bones. I think all of this we're talking about, we need to remember that the first sign of the last days is apostasy. Yeah. Mm. People falling away from God. Right. And yeah. it's just not this country that's falling away from God. It's the whole world that's falling away from God. Right. Yeah. Even, even though there are great work being done in his name. Yeah. But as a whole, this, all of this stuff occurs because people just do not believe. They're falling away. Yeah. And yeah. It, it really, it's real concerning. Yeah. Because if they don't don't get their act together, they may wake up one morning and all of us will be gone. Rapture. Well, and that's you yeah. know, and, and we've gotta we've gotta be ready to go to the highways and byways and proclaim it. Um, you know, I've been I was telling Shelby, you know, I've just been convicted lately that, you know, we as a church we've got to uh, in our in our daily and I think you guys are hopefully, you know, you guys are doing it where you're at in your daily, you know, wherever you're schedules take you and that kind of thing, you know, just trying to watch for those opportunities to uh, give praise to God, to show his grace, uh, his love, to show his justice as well, I mean, because they need to hear that too, um, and that they're sinners in, in need of a savior. So, yep. um, so, so, so who here, who here knew there was a witch in the Bible? 
Who here knew there was a witch in the Bible? Who here knew there was a witch in the Bible? Okay, so some. Logan, you didn't know that? I thought I taught you that, son. Okay, all right. He was like, oh, yeah. He was, I just want to raise my hand. It's too cool. It's not cool to raise my hand, Dad. So. Yeah, well, he's still working on dinner. Dinner's he, still digesting. It's still digesting. It's okay. so, so what's happening here, just to give you, is that uh, Saul is in deep trouble, deep, deep, deep trouble. His time is coming to an end. The Philistines have routed. They've got a huge battle the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and Saul is, uh, God is not talking to him anymore. He had executed, all in, in, his, in his feverish hatred of David and chasing him, he had executed a bunch of the uh, uh, priests at Nob, and the only one that was left went over to David's side. So he has nobody, he has no instrument uh, to talk to God. God's not talking to him, he has no priest to go to. And so in this moment of desperation, Luke, just like you were saying, uh, he goes to this witch of Endor. So take it off, take it away. Yeah, um, so although not totally related, I guess you could say really it actually is. Uh, this instance in 1 Samuel 28 shows a, sim- a similar theme of spirit, uh, spirits and supernatural forces when Saul speaks to Samuel from beyond the grave. It is a very interesting moment in Scripture that is difficult to understand. And so we cannot emphasize that enough. This is a very difficult passage yeah. to, uh, to wade through, okay? Um, so actually, let's just read the passage itself. Um, and, and for sake of time, we'll just read this first chunk because that'll give you enough. We don't have to go into the second chunk there. So starting in verse 8 of chapter 28. So Saul distinguished himself and... Disguised. Put, I'm sorry, disguised himself and put on other garments and went. He and two men went with him and they came to the woman by, uh, by night. And he said, divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me uh, whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know that Saul, uh, what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for me, for my life, to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the, uh, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And, he said, uh, and she said, An old man is coming up, uh, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it would be good to read a little bit of this next portion, too. Oh, just read, yeah, uh, just in read verse it. 15. Just read it all. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you uh, disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the, Philippi- uh, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me uh, and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke, to, spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Mm. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against uh, Amalek, Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. 
Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be uh, with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. (laughs) So pretty intense language from Samuel here, uh, even from beyond the grave. Um, So one of the questions is, was this really Samuel uh, uh, that the witch called upon and Saul spoke with? Uh, I think that's a good question because some some scholars say, well, this was some demonic illusion, a delusion that uh, was put on Saul, and so we can't. This isn't a credible kind of thing. Um, here's the thing: if that were true, and me and Shelby were talking about this, if that were true, then why would this demonic delusion speak truth to Saul? Uh, I, I really think that, you know, based off of that evidence, that Samuel came up and he said the very same things he would be saying to him if he were alive, and in fact, the very same things he did say to him when he was alive, uh, this, is, this really seems to be Samuel, the spirit of Samuel, uh, the disembodied spirit of Samuel being risen up by this witch of Endor speaking to Saul. Um, and again, that's kind of what I mentioned there in, in the bullet point. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this mean that the spirit uh, of, the, um, of the dead hang around on the earth or that they come and go from heaven as they please? So the big question that we've been kind of pondering and thinking about, uh, it applies here. Does this mean that Samuel was in some kind of limbo and that meant that the witch could just kind of call on him whenever she wanted kind of thing and, you know, spirits can kind of just wander to and fro from heaven and hell to, you know, back and forth kind of thing. Uh, just a few scriptures to, to consider with that question. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an immediate thing. This is not a... This is not a limbo, in limbo kind of thing. Also, Luke 16, 26 through 31, which is also a very interesting passage. Uh, this is talking about Lazarus and the rich man. Um, and there's debate whether this is actually a real occurrence that takes place or if it was a parable. I believe it was a parable um, told by Jesus to help illustrate a point, okay? And so he tells this story so that he can illustrate a point to uh, the people he's teaching. But... Even though it is a parable, I think there are some things within it that we can draw from uh, concerning this question. So uh, just we'll read that real quickly. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. So there's, stop there for just a minute. I think there's a first hint. I don't think, and you know, Shelby and I both believe the same thing here. I don't think that there's some chasm when we're going to be in heaven and, you know, whoever is in hell and, and, you know, we want to lament that. I don't want to say that lightly, but I don't think there's some chasm where they're always going to be able to see what's going on in heaven. Okay. Cause here's the thing. If they could even see it, there would be some allusion to the fact of joy and happiness. And, and I just don't think there's going to be any, any even semblance of, of what joy and happiness even means anymore. Um, and so I, I, but there is something to draw out of here. The fact that it says so strongly that this place, hell, is going to be a place that you cannot escape. It's going to be a place that's going to be locked in and you cannot get out of it. Um, and so I, I think that's, a, that's a, at least a clue or a hint. Um, and then uh, verse 27 there. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. 
for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. What is he referring to there? Old the Testament. Law. They have scripture. That's yep. right, Old Testament. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if, you, uh, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so it's interesting here because if we're taking some clues from what I believe is a parable here um, to say that even if we were to send the dead back, they still wouldn't believe. I think there's a clue here that, again, there is no going back and forth kind of deal. Because, uh, again, this guy, that the, this rich man who's in hell, he's, he's desperately pleading out, please send him back. And he's saying, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And again, parable, but just some, again, some clues to think about. Yeah, and we'll, we'll close here. Just, just to give you, uh, back up, Colton, to yep. the one uh, right, let's see, go up to this one, to where he comes up. Why have you deceived me? Um, if you look at that verse, and the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. And then she, well, no, I'm sorry. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Y'all see that? There's a lot of scholars who will make a comment on this particular passage because one of the questions is, well, was this a, was this a common occurrence that the necromancers mm -hmm. did or the yeah. spiritists did or the, divin of the divinators did or whatever? And the thought is, is that no, it's not something that they were able to do regularly and that that's evidence to the fact that perhaps this was the first time that she had actually conjured and and someone actually came and that it was God that enabled this to happen to condemn Saul one final more time to let him know that his days were numbered and tomorrow he was going to be dead yeah. because he kept trying Saul kept trying to make things right but it was, it was over it was over and done with for him and so it's just a very interesting this whole, this whole story is just fascinating and interesting and just lets you know how far gone Saul was we never want to be as far gone as Saul was. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And, and, and even to the fact that Saul was, was pulling and drawing on tactics that he himself forbade in the land. You know, you catch that too, right? He had driven out all the necromancers and the witches and, the, and all of this stuff. And yet, he, that's exactly who he sought out. Uh, so I think it's pretty incredible that, you know, he was that desperate to go to that point. Right. What was that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, we've got uh, some prayer requests here. We've got Ukraine, our country, and voters. Uh, we've got family of Uvalde school children. And was that video, who saw the video? Was it absolutely the most disgusting thing you've ever seen? Law enforcement officers just did not do their job that day. Um, and we're, we're praying for uh, Larry and Kim Morgan. Uh, Larry is at trust at trust point next two weeks are critical to get his leg functions back Does everybody know what's going on with Larry if you don't know? Okay, Larry had a stroke uh, Verified stroke Kelsey. Do you want to why don't you give a quick update just? Thank you Yes, he had a stroke they found um, it on his brainstem we're very uh, thankful that it wasn't any worse than it was. He did lose complete leg function. 
His speech is good, no paralysis. He is determined to walk, so his spirits are really high. Um, it's just been really hard for him and mom working out, um, caring for his physical therapy. So next two weeks would be critical um, to get back to full function. If he doesn't get back to full function in four weeks, then there might be um, more damage right. than we think. Right. So this is really, please be praying for Larry. Yes. He really needs to recover quick. Yeah. So uh, what you got there? Yeah, um, so I have a, first thing, I'm going to start off on a positive note. I have uh, Elena, Elena Thomas, three years old, uh, with a leukemia. Last test shows no cancer. So that's awesome. That was by Kathy Fleming there. So praise God for that. Um, also, we have here, um, and I love this note, Jim. Uh, Jim wrote this down. Please be praying for the homeless um, and also our elderly in our community who are in uh, low-income uh, housing and neighborhoods. Um, Please be in prayer for that. I mean, I know it's just it's just a reality of where we exist today and what the society we're in. And so pray for them and pray that churches like ours and churches around this community would know how to help them best. Um, because there is such a saying as helping sometimes can hurt when helping hurts, okay? And we want to help in a way that blesses and uh, is God-honoring. Uh, also, uh, Susan Anderson put down... Uh, pray for my sister-in-law, Martha Bachelor, uh, has cancer, hospice is called in. So we'll be praying for that, uh, Susan, for sure. Uh, and then we also have Diane Stern. Um, and we've been praying been talking her. about her for a while now and praying yep. for her. Uh, yep. Any any update you want to give on that? or? still in trial the other one they're getting from canada so it's wow. they're really reaching out to and wow. for the last three days she has seen some improvements so okay but still not able to eat normal food um, yep. so we've got a long way to go with it okay yeah okay thank you linda uh, one last thing for your prayer before and I'll, I'll pray over these requests we have a uh, scott horde is affiliated with a new group called operation save america they do a lot of uh, abortion uh, work, anti-abortion work around the United States. <clears throat> I don't know if any of y'all keep up with him on Facebook, but it's incredible. They've had almost 400 saves uh, this past month total. And so uh, back several months ago, he asked uh, Parkway if we would host Operation Save America's national meeting here, which is a, a huge compliment for our church to host that. I accepted the invitation. So they will be coming in uh, Friday evening Friday evening, and they will be having uh, worship services here. Uh, then they will be having small group breakouts uh, during the day from 2.30 to 4.30 next week. If you would like to plug into any of that, come see what they're doing. It, it'd be great. You'll get to see Scott. He's a keynote speaker for two nights. Uh, but they will be here from Friday night all the way through uh, ne next Saturday Friday night. evening. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night. I'm sorry. Like Saturday night. Saturday night all the way through next Friday evening. Uh, here, worship services from 6.30 till about 8.30, and then the afternoon sessions from 2.30 to 4.30. So it should be really interesting. They've got a lot of, um, a lot of uh, uh, pastors from all over America will be here. I don't, I don't know what the crowds will be like. They really can't, they really can't tell us. I said anywhere from 150 to like 400. I, we, we just don't know. Um, but, it's, but it should be really, really interesting uh, and an opportunity for you to, to, to get kind of your finger on the pulse of what is going on in that ministry. Of course, with Roe being overturned, which nobody could have ever dreamed, amen? With Roe being overturned, uh, now, now, and David Fleming and I had a conversation about this right after that happened. He was like, well, now that that's happened, uh, we as the church need to be prepared to step in 
with these expectant mothers and, yep. and, and, and have a plan to help them as Scott has been doing for years to have that child, to help them nurture that child, to, to welcome them into the church and so forth. And I know that's going to be one of the main things that they're talking about all week uh, is the different of, of the climate in America since Roe has been overturned. So please be in prayer for that and, and plug into any of that that you want to. Uh, none, of it, none of it costs anything. It's all free. And they're very godly people. Yeah, Ron? Not yet. We're going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to send out a church-wide email. I wanted to announce it tonight, send an email out tomorrow, and then we'll get all the details to everybody so they can do whatever they want. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, we can send that out tomorrow. Sure will. All right, anything else? Ma'am? Yes. We'll send it in text. You got it. All right, I'll pray over these, and then we'll be dismissed. Uh, Beverly Carmack is asking for prayer. She's doing well from okay. her last surgery, but she has the two upcoming back surgeries, okay. August 1st and August 4th. So she's asking that we pray for her. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, you've heard the numerous prayer requests that we've had this evening. Father, I will just mention them to you by name just quickly. Uh, Ukraine, our country, and voters, uh, the families of the Uvalde school children and that tragedy. Lord, we want to lift up uh, Larry and Kim Morgan to you. And Larry, with uh, this uh, stroke that is, um, Lord, that he needs to recover from quickly, we just pray your strength and mercy upon him. Father, we praise your name uh, for Elena Thomas with leukemia and the, the, the tests show that the cancer is in remission. And we are so thankful for that, Lord. And, and only you can do things like that, Father. So we are so thankful. We want to pray for the homeless in Nashville and surrounding area and the elderly in low-income neighborhoods. Father, we just we know it's uh, one church can only do so much. This, is a, this needs to be a collective effort. Uh, from, from God's people, from all denominations, uh, from all over the place, Lord, to step up and, and uh, help these, especially uh, now with inflation the way it is and, and many people falling upon very hard times, this problem is, is only going to get worse. So I pray that you help us to be mindful of that and to be sacrificial and to help those in need. Uh, Lord, we pray for Martha Batchelor uh, has cancer and that hospice has been called in. This is uh, Susan's sister-in-law. We pray for her father and we pray for the hospice agency that they would be helpful and, and bring so much needed care there. And uh, Father, we just pray for spiritual support and love and everything that they need, Lord, that would be provided. Lord, we continue to pray for, for Linda's sister, Diane, and this uh, ongoing uh, multiple issues that she has, Father. We, we're thankful for the little bit of improvement that she's had, uh, but she still does not have much of an appetite, and, and that's not going to be good for her and her strength. So we pray, Father, that, uh, that, you would, that you would restore her, dear God. We just ask your mercy and your blessings upon her. Lord, we continue to pray for Beverly Carmack and everything she has going on, and, and, uh, and Bob. We thank you so much for their involvement here and their love for you and, and, their, and their commitment to Parkway Baptist. Lord, we pray for Operation Save America, dear God, and we just we pray for those folks that are on the front lines of this, um, of this, of this uh, fighting this abortion, Lord, in this in this nation. We thank you so much, Father, for for working in the hearts of the justices to 
to overturn Roe versus Wade, Lord, and we can just celebrate that moment. But now, now we have a lot more work in front of us, and I pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord, and give us, give us creativity that we can apply to these uh, expectant mothers, Lord, that will be keeping their children and, and help us to nurture them and love them and minister to them. Father, we pray for a peaceful week with uh, Operation Save America here, Lord, and we pray that lives are touched and changed, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thank you all. Good night, live feed.